Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, good morning again. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the 30th of August. We are praying ardently and urgently today for the people of Afghanistan, for those who are making flights out um, of Afghanistan, for Caleb, who is an Air Force pilot on one of those C-17 U.S. airplanes, um, and for his sweet mom, who texted in uh, during the first hour this morning. Um, We are praying today for the people of the Gulf Coast, specifically for the people of uh, Louisiana. Let's uh, hone those prayers in on the people of New Orleans, more than a million folks without power today. One of the ways you're going to hear that articulated is New Orleans is in the dark this morning. Um, I, I would resist as a Christian using that kind of language. I mean, yes, the power uh, is out, but the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Let, let's be people who um, take advantage when there is reasonable opportunity to do so, to speak hope and truth into the midst of what is darkness and chaos and fear and death. And yes, the rising tide of a storm surge. Let's be people who say New Orleans, the lights might be off in New Orleans this morning, but the real light has dawned and the church is a reality in the city of New Orleans and there are Christians there. And so let us be praying for a gospel opportunity and let's be readying ourselves. Let's be preparing ourselves to respond in tangible ways, in practical, in practical ways, um, including the practice of prayer. Let prayer be the practical way that you respond today, and then let practical things follow that in the days to come. Um, And yes, let the practice of prayer be your practical response to what's going on in Afghanistan. And then yes, let there be practical responses as well as um, military members of the military return to the United States as we receive people from Afghanistan, and yes, as we figure out how to help, um, how to help those who have literally left with nothing but the clothes on their backs. Um, Ed Asner, who played Lou Grant on the Mary Tyler Moore show, has died. He was 91. I don't know about you, but I learned uh, what journalism in a newsroom was like from the Mary Tyler Moore show. So maybe that is coloring what we think of and, and how we think of journalists today. So just a thought there. Um, And then uh, authorities are ordering evacuations as a wildfire threatens Lake Tahoe. Um, And there are continuing to be fires raging in the western, northwestern United States. So let's be, you know, praying for folks as well, facing those horrific situations. 
floods and fires um, raging, as is fear. And so let's be praying for folks today. Dr. Linda Mental joins me next. She and I are going to talk about what we can do, what we can actually do to feel less depressed. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Who can take a nothing day and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile? This is my fight song. Take back my song. Dr. Linda Mental joins me now, turning on the whole world with a smile right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I was singing the theme. I remembered that. Oh, way, we way were all singing too. the theme. Yeah, you're, we are. We are people who can sing jingles. We are. That is if, if we are nothing else, we are the jingle people. That's right. That's right. When you're married to someone in the television industry, you kind of know all these things anyway. So, <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about we're going to talk a little bit about depression today. Let's start with this types and causes and then the first oh. thing to do. Yeah. So, I mean, Carmen, if you're just paying attention to the news, I mean, we're, we're dealing with the horrible situation in Afghanistan with, like you said, floods and fires and and, you know, there was a, the flooding in Tennessee, and it's just overwhelming at times. So uh, as we look at this, one of the things we're going to talk about in a minute is the way we, we let our thoughts go with all this. But there are lots of types of depression, and that's one of the things I want to say when people hear that term generally. There are depressions that are really more organically based, which can come from maybe having a heart attack or having going through chemotherapy treatments uh, with, with cancer, hormone changes. Uh, in terms of postpartum, things like that. So there are times when people get down, they get depressed uh, because of differences and changes in their biology. And then we know that some people are also more genetically predisposed to uh, depression than other people are. But generally speaking, uh, when we kind of don't talk about those issues, we're talking about a lot of other types of depression that come when people are overwhelmed, when they have really difficult childhoods. Um, we, did a, we did a show a while back on adverse childhood experiences on, on the radio show here on, Faith, on My Faith Radio Network and talked about just the impact of trauma and loss and abuse and all the things that people are going through and going through a pandemic and, you know, dealing with their job loss and all the things that we're experiencing, even right now, those kinds of things can overwhelm a person. Their coping styles may or may not be good. And as a result of that, they can become depressed. All right. And I really appreciate, and let me just tell you guys, I'm reading um, a post at drlindamental.com, 10 Helps to Feel Less Depressed. And you can listen to Linda's program here, the Dr. Linda Mental Show on the Faith Radio Network as well. Um, I, I just appreciate that you make this really practical list for us, starting with, you know, let me talk to my doctor. Let's get a physical right. to rule out any biological cause that might be treatable. Um, and then number two is take care of your body. This one um, was not a surprise, but always a good place to start. Yeah, because I don't think we think about, you know, what can we physically do on our own that could make our life better? So. A lot of people have trouble with sleeping, and if you just figure out a sleep routine and you can get yourself to sleep better, that is honestly going to make you feel so much better right there. 
And there's a there you can just Google on the web uh, sleep hygiene, and there's some wonderful sites that come up that will help you just set up your environment and tell you some things to do, like turn off your phone when you're going to sleep because those LED lights can can keep you awake. Your TV, those things, you know, put in. Uh, some darkened window shades if you're really having trouble sleeping, things like that that are really practical that make a difference. And then, of course, we also know that if you exercise, you're going to feel better too. And one of the things that happens has been happening during the pandemic is people got outside more and they exercised more and they spent time in nature. And there's actually uh, some really great studies that came out of the University of Michigan uh, a few years ago that said if you just walk in nature, it has to be in nature. It can't be like in downtown Minneapolis or any place like that. It has to be in nature. But that really calms you down. It really engages the part of your autonomic nervous system that keeps you out of that hypervigilance and that fight or flight feeling that a lot of times we have when we get anxious and fearful. So again, exercising and you know getting good sleep. And then the final one that everybody knows, but we don't do it well, is just beginning to eat well. And so cutting out a lot of the junk food, uh, trying to cut back on caffeine if you're drinking too much. Um, I posted a blog a few days ago on six cups or more of coffee a day, you probably are doing damage to your health. So it's the amount of the caffeine that you're drinking. And then obviously alcohol is, is something that keeps people from sleeping. It becomes problematic in a lot of people's lives. So really just thinking about your body care and taking care of that temple of the Holy Spirit as the Bible talks about our body. Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to um, cover a few more things on the list of 10 helps to feel less depressed. You can read the whole post at drlindamental.com. We'll be right back. Maybe you're feeling a little... Uh, episodic depression these days, a little circumstantial depression. If so, we've got some ideas and thoughts about that. It could be that you have a more acute situation. And if so, we certainly want you to be engaged in therapy related to that, getting help from your doctor. So the conversation with Dr. Linda Mental today about things that we can do to feel less depressed, uh, you know, starts with talk with your doctor and or your therapist about that. Um, Linda, if that conversation leads to a prescription related to antidepressant medication, um, I think that you know that you deal with that as number three on the list because people often feel stigmatized um, when they are prescribed an antidepressant and they're a Christian and they think Christians shouldn't need that. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because there are times when that it can be very helpful to people. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who've gone through some significant losses and losses that have piled up over time, and they, they just, you know, they lose their resilience over a period of time. And sometimes a, a low-dose antidepressant can be very helpful to people. So, you don't, you know, I'm not saying that every person who feels depressed or is clinically depressed needs to go on a medication, but it's certainly something to talk about, especially if you're feeling that you're having suicidal uh, thoughts and you're feeling that there really is such a hopelessness about your life. We don't want anybody getting into that very um, difficult space. So sometimes those antidepressants can be very helpful. And just like any other medication you would take for any reason, for diabetes, for heart disease, for anything else, there are times when that's appropriate and they can be very effective for some people. 
All right, number four on your list, acknowledge negative feelings of anger, unforgiveness, or hurt. Could I just add like PTSD to that? Like, Well, there, yeah, it's, it's just such a big one that we don't think about. Uh, a lot of times when people are angry, it's this very powerful emotion that we sometimes use to cover up how, how deeply wounded or deeply hurt we are. And, and underneath it, we're feeling really, really bad. But if you hold on to this anger, and especially if you hold on to unforgiveness, and uh, we know that the body really holds on to that type of thing, and it makes it very difficult for you to get peace. And so, you know, forgiveness is like um, unclogging a drain in your in your physical body. Once you begin to exercise forgiveness, you begin to feel so much better. And for some people, that is really a key to feeling a whole lot better. Uh, bitterness is something the Bible speaks against. You know, uh, forgiveness is a, is a tough process. It's a process, especially depending on how you've been hurt and, you know, maybe the way you've been wounded in the past. But if you begin to look at how did those things affect me, what impact did I have on that? And then you make a decision to forgive and you work through that forgiveness process, you really will feel better. And that is a process that can a lot of times lead to a sense of joy even for a releasing um, some difficult things that you've been holding on to for a long time. All right. I thought number five on your list was really, um, oh, they're all important. This one stands out to me as something that can be a cause of, uh, of, it can actually be a cause of depression. So this is align your behavior with your beliefs. When I am behaving in ways that are disconnected from or in dissonance with what I believe, I am a person totally out of sorts. And so I can imagine, like, right, that causes not only anxiety, but shame and guilt and potentially self-harm. So talk with us about the the importance of aligning behavior with beliefs. Yeah, so years ago, uh, Carmen, I had a, I had a, a patient who was, you know, very depressed, and, and we were looking at all the causes. We did the physical. We, we ruled out all kinds of things. We were looking at things in her life that were difficult, and it really came down to at one point of me talking to her. She was single. She had gone through a divorce. She was going to a, a singles group in her church. And at one point I looked at her and I said, are you sleeping with someone in your singles group? And, uh, you know, she very uh, shamefully answered me. Yes. And I said, you know, this could be a root. This could be the issue that's going on with you that you are, uh, a, you, you confess to be a Christian and I believe that she was. And she, and I said, but you are behaving in a way that is inconsistent with your Christian beliefs. And you're wondering why you're having such difficulty. And, you know, so my prescription for her was, let's stop that behavior and see what happens. And sure enough, uh, the, the depression lifted. Now, that's not the case with every person who's depressed. So I don't want to, you know, use that as this is what's going on. But it's a good illustration of you can be living your life inconsistent with the, the things that God says. And then you wonder, hmm, why am I not feeling the peace and the joy? And, you know, why am I not living in contentment in my life? Sometimes you have to look really carefully at the way you're behaving. And does it line up, you know, with, with the things that God is saying? Even, even things that are in the Sermon of the Mount, you know, things that you're, we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to bless those who curse us. And sometimes when we're holding on to stuff and we don't want to bless somebody, um, you know, that can create a negative feeling in our body and, again, in our mind. And spiritually, it certainly can be a block. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling on any level, and you don't have to be clinically depressed for this to be the case. All these things we're talking about 
other than, um, you know, maybe the antidepressants. You know, these are things that when you're in a down mood and you're finding yourself going into a, just a, a period of feeling really down, you need to start thinking about these things and maybe making some corrections. Line up your, your behavior with the things that you actually believe and then see what God's going to do. All right, we're talking with Dr. Linda Mental about 10 helps to feel less depressed. We've talked about getting a physical, taking care of your body, uh, having no stigma if your doctor does prescribe antidepressants, acknowledging feelings of anger, unforgiveness, and hurt, aligning behavior with beliefs. Next up, we have renew your mind, manage negative emotions, change your behavior, get help, and then let's focus in on number 10. And again, you guys can go to drlindamental.com and read the entire article to get more amplification on the ones that we just glossed over. But Linda, let's talk about this last one. Correct your self-image by focusing um, really on what God has said about you. Yeah, and that, again, so important because it, re- it relates to the other ones that we, you, you just read really fast. The whole business of renewing your mind is involved here a lot of times and sitting in the presence of God with some time with the Lord, being still in his presence, allowing the Lord to minister to you. A lot of times for me, that happens through his word. And sometimes when you're, you're, you're feeling very down and you start to sort of take that victim mentality with yourself, and think that nobody cares about you, nobody you know, is there for you, um, who would you call in a crisis? We forget what the Lord says about his constant presence in our life, that he's always with us, that his, his desire is to heal us in so many ways, not just physically, but other ways in our, our mind. And all of that is related to the idea that you are made in the image of God, that you are unconditionally loved by God, and that you can trust in him no matter what we're seeing. And we're seeing a lot of very difficult things in our life right now. And we, we need to sit in the presence of the Lord and remind ourselves who we are and that he wants to bless us. He's a good, good father, as, as Chris Tomlin sang about in his song. You know, he's a good, good father who wants to give you good things. And he wants you to experience his joy no matter what is going on in your life. So it's a corrective step. Sometimes we just have to stop, be still, renew our mind with the word of God and allow his presence to just wash over us and to help us with how we're feeling at the time. When we do that and we meditate on him, we begin to bring ourselves out of that bad state. And you know, the, the, the Bible is really clear, Carmen, on you praise, you put on the garment of praise mm-hmm. for the spirit of help. So worship, and I didn't write about worship in this blog, but worship is what takes me out of that bad place. I start to begin to praise the Lord, whether it's in song or just in prayer, and then I begin to worship him. And at the end of that, I'm, I'm so much better. My spirit has been uplifted because of that time I've spent with the Lord. So really Absolutely. Important. Yeah, I think worship is a, is a really good reset and, and hooks into uh, to lots of these as well. All right, we're out of time with Dr. Linda Mental, but thank you so much. You guys should check out what she's writing, drlindamental.com. And you got to check out the Dr. Linda Mental show, more of this really great content. Linda, thank you so much. We got to take a break for Breakpoint. Hey, do you recognize this passage of scripture? Long ago, in the time before all days, before the creation of all things, The one who is known as the Word was there, face-to-face with the Great Spirit. This Word fully represents Creator and shows us who He is and what He is like. 
He has always been there from the beginning. For the Word and the Creator are one and the same. Through the Word, all things came into being, and not one thing existed exists that did not that he did not create. That is the opening of the Gospel of John from the First Nations version of the Bible. Brand new translation, indigenous translation of the New Testament. We're going to talk with Terry Wildman, editor of this edition, next. This is Max Lucado. Jesus was attending a wedding with the disciples and his mother, Mary, when she approached him with a seemingly irrelevant problem. They have no more wine, she told him. Mary presented the problem. Jesus commanded a solution. And the wineless wedding was suddenly wine flush. And we are left with this message. Our diminishing supplies, no matter how insignificant, matter to heaven. Listen. If Jesus was willing to use divine clout to solve a social faux pas, how much more would he be willing to intervene on the weightier matters of life? He wants you to know that you can take your needs, all your needs, to him. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is Max Lucado. Well, trust me when I tell you, we are in for a treat. Terry Wildman is here. He is part of the Ojibwe and Yaqui Native American Peoples Groups. He is also the lead translator, general editor, and project manager of the First Nations Version. Serves as the director of spiritual growth and leadership development for Native InterVarsity. Terry, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, it's good to be here with you. Thank, thank you for having me on your program. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so for listeners who may not be familiar with the Ojibwe or the Yaqui people, tell us about them. Well, the Ojibwe are um, a uh, actually one of the largest people groups, nations, tribal nations in the North America uh, because uh, they are on both sides of the border between uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, the, the Ojibwe are called Anishinaabe, which means the real people. I often say sorry about the rest of you, um, <laughs> but uh, the Ojibwe uh, people have a beautiful language, a beautiful heritage, many uh, stories. They believe in one uh, great, mysterious creator. And so that leads us into a conversation about this project to bring an, an English Bible to the First Nations people. So talk with us about the vision for this project. I'll do that, but... Just first, I would like to give a land acknowledgement. My wife and I live in Maricopa, Arizona, and we live on the traditional lands of the Pima and the Tohono O'odham. All right, so the First Nation version, um, the vision, uh, we, we've been involved in this a long time, uh, over, uh, over six years total. Um, the First Nation versions of the New Testament, it's uh, our attempt to capture the simplicity, the beauty um, of our Native storytellers in English while remaining faithful uh, to the original language of the New Testament. The First Nation Version is a translation by and for Native North Americans and for all English-speaking people. The reason we believe we need this uh, translation is because of generations of government assimilation policies 
Sometimes the churches got involved in this. And uh, so now most people do not read their tribal languages because those languages were taken away from them in boarding schools and different uh, different uh, things like that. So the First Nation Version provides an English Bible that connects culturally in a relevant way to the traditional heart languages of over 6 million English-speaking First Nation people of North America. And as far as we know, this is the first uh, translation that has been done of this kind. So 6 million people is, uh, is a lot of individuals. It's a lot of households, a lot of conversations to be had there. Terry, I'm, uh, I, I suspect that you have lots of thoughts and considerations for churches that are interested in doing, um, you know, what really is very much cross-cultural engagement. And yet I think there is this sense that we've all been together for a really long time and shouldn't people be integrated by now? And that's really not a fair starting point for this conversation. So can you talk a little bit about the continuing distinctiveness of, of Native people here in what we call the United States of America? Sure. The, um, uh, it's really amazing that our Native people, and it really shows um, the kind of uh, character that we have in the fact that we've survived all this time. We still have uh, a, a somewhat of a hold on our culture, even though the government and the governmental policies really work to strip us of our languages, of our um, of our culture, and these different things. And so we've had to hold on to it. Um, some of our Native people have been fully integrated into society. And most of us today, we live in two worlds. We live in the world of our, our Native people. We, we attend gatherings and powwows and tribal gatherings. But we also have to live in in kind of this new world that uh, was sort of forced on us. And uh, this, and so we, we've learned how to be, how to live in both of those worlds. And so Native, Native people who are followers of the Jesus way um, are also living that tension between the two worlds. Um, our traditional Native people um, have all heard about Jesus um, but it's come in a way that was sort of forced on us, and it wasn't given to us by choice. We didn't come to faith because we were choosing to come to faith. At least, at least many of us have that kind of testimony, but because uh, we had to to survive, because that was what the government wanted and uh, and, and such. So, um, our story is eclectic. It's it's uh, it's deep. Uh, the deepest roots of of injustice in this land really come uh, really start with our native people and um, all that's happened with the different treaties and things like that. So you did something uh, earlier in this conversation that I want to circle back to. You um, acknowledged land of the Pima and the Tohono Odom. Um, I was reminded in just your act of doing that, that there are a lot of people who do not know um, the land, you know, who who first lived on the land where they now live, at least in terms of who we know lived where we now live. And so my land acknowledgement would be that I um, am currently on the land of the Cherokee and the Shawnee uh, and the Yukai. Although the names that would be listed for those are much more complicated and sometimes even in letters that I don't uh, 
even recognize nor know how to pronounce. But I think that the integrating that into the conversations that we have does create an awareness and a mindfulness just in our everyday living that for some people would be an education in and of itself. Yeah, our our government policies, our government did a really good job of separating Native people, putting us on reservations and keeping us away from uh, from the main society, uh, kind of out of sight and out of mind. And I really do believe, and that's why we do land acknowledgement, and I thank you for yours, uh, the the acknowledgement. And it, wouldn't it be something if um, if this nation could, in all of our radio programs, in all of our announcements, acknowledge the original people of the land that we're on. Uh, I think it would be a wonderful thing. And I think for believers in Jesus, it could be a wonderful testimony to do something like that and a good witness to who Jesus really is. All right. If you want to do that for yourself, you can actually check it out, native-land.ca. They've got an interactive map there. You just uh, type in your address and you get all the information um, about the territory in which you live and the land upon which you uh, currently stand. Terry Wildman and I will continue this conversation about the First Nations version of the New Testament in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, rejoining our conversation with Terry Wildman about InterVarsity's brand new First Nations version of the Bible. It's a new translation. Uh, it is designed for Native people here in the North Americas. So we're going to call it the First Nations people. It's an English Bible. And I want to talk, Terry, a little bit about the contents of it. Um, as you read through the table of contents, let me just say, the table of contents is itself great fodder for conversation. So, like, I saw small man, and small man appeared lots of times. Small man wrote lots of letters, many of the letters of the New Testament, which led me to guess that small man is Paul. Yes, that's true. Um, a lot of people don't know that the the name Paul in the Greek actually means small or least. See, I so love that. Worked... And then there's, yeah, and then there's He Shows Goodwill. He Shows Goodwill wrote three letters in addition to one of the first four books, which I might traditionally recognize as a gospel. But uh, in the table of contents, it says that those first four books are Tell the Good Story. And so... Uh, who is He Shows Goodwill? That would be John. His name I is... I so love it. I love it. You know, we all want a Native <laughs> name, right? I mean, like, nobody wants to be Wildman. Everybody wants to be Wild Man. Like, it's... That's right. Uh, I mean, right? Everybody wants this. And so I just think that's one of the joys of opening uh, this conversation up, even to people who are not members of uh, a First Nations people group. We all live here now, and there's some joy in unpacking this together. For sure. You know, Native American stories were traditionally told in ways that are unique to the storyteller and meaningful to the listeners. They draw from history, tradition, and experience, but a storyteller ensures that the essence of the story is preserved without the need for a strict word-for-word -word recital. So that's how we approach the First Nation version um, we, uh, we're not looking so much as exact word for word, but meaning for meaning, sort of a, what they call a dynamics equivalence. And so this was one of the, the things that, that we did was we looked for the meaning of all the names in the Bible, because that follows our Native American tradition that all names have meaning. It just so happens that that's true 
um, of the Hebrew culture, and, uh, and that's what we followed. Yeah, it's really fun. Why don't you read a portion to us, something maybe that would be easily recognizable to listeners, maybe First uh, Corinthians 13 or, um, or the opening of Matthew 5, whatever you have there in front of you. Well, I have um, John three sixteen and 17. Great. The Great Spirit loves this world of human beings so deeply. He gave us his son, the only son who fully represents him. All who trust in him and his way will not come to a bad end, but will have the life of the world to come that never fades away, full of beauty and harmony. Creator did not send his son to decide against the people of this world, but to set them free from the worthless ways of the world. That is uh, John three sixteen and 17 from the First Nations Version an English Bible uh, designed for First Nation listeners. So we are talking today with Terry Wildman. He is the lead translator, general editor, and project manager of the First Nations version. He also serves as the director of spiritual growth and leadership development for Native InterVarsity. Terry, tell us what the plan is for getting this out. Well, one of the things that we're really excited about is we've been working with crew. Um, the Jesus Film people, and we're just getting ready on August 11th to release an animated video of a new series called Retelling the Good Story. Beautiful animation drawing from Native American art, and it, it uses the First Nation version as a basis for the storyteller that tells the story from Matthew of Jesus feeding 5,000 and walking on the water. That's one way we're going to get the word out. This is beautiful, and it lets people know there's a new translation out there. But the translation isn't, it is for Native American people, but it's also a gift from Native American people to the larger body of Christ. Many non-Native people have written us and told us how deeply and wonderfully that this uh, translation has affected them as they see a freshness in the way that the scriptures are presented. Yeah, one of the things that you will note when you pick up a copy of the FNV uh, is that you're going to see that they have taken not only word choices, but idiomatic expressions and um, paragraphs and sentence structure. They have modified that in order that it be uh, more easily understood and more clearly understood um, in, in contextually, talk with us a little bit about who served on the translation council. Because when you talk about it being a gift to all English-speaking people, that's real. This this group of people are really the givers of the gift. That's right. What happened was, um, I after I started this the work of this translation, one book of Canada, uh, which is a Bible translation organization and part of the Wycliffe Global Alliance, contacted us and partnered with us to help us do this translation and give it some really good credibility. Uh, so, our, so they helped us form a translation council. And I formed this council out of relationship. My wife and I have traveled um, over 10 years on the road, telling our stories, sharing our music, and, and using portions uh, of this First Nation version out there. And so this translation council is about uh, 12 of us from different tribal heritages, uh, through uh, people that I had met and learned and respect, 
And uh, uh, so we gathered together for over a month to work with One Book of Canada and Wycliffe Associates to put together this translation. And so, uh, uh, and, and to determine how we were going to move forward on it. And so, so a lot of people have been involved, not only the Translation Council, but we've also had many, many reviewers from over 25 different tribal heritage that, that review the translation and gave feedback. So I love that. I love how collaborative the effort has been. I'm wondering, uh, Terry, if you've if you've heard any criticisms or if any questions have been raised, you know, for from folks who, wow, they just don't think it's close enough to, you know, the direct meaning of the text, um, and how you're answering those those questions or criticisms. Well, surprisingly, so far we've had very little criticism. We assume it will be coming more. Every once in a while, I've had a person on social media say, wow, this is a nice book, but it's not the Bible, Mm. you know, and uh, things like that. Um, We've had a couple very traditional Native people uh, that that didn't like it, but I took time to explain to them that, uh, that the idea is that Jesus came to us through a colonial lens through the lens of a European trained nations and people, and that our native people need a chance to look at Jesus through our lens, through our cultural lens. And we're not saying that everybody, we just want native people to make their own decision and their own minds up about Jesus, but let it be the Jesus of the Bible, not the colonial Jesus that you're rejecting. Yeah, I'm going to look forward to um, reading from Revelation chapter seven. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to look forward to reading that in this translation um, because when you talk about uh, every tribe and nation and every tongue, I'm I'm wondering what that looks like, you know, from the lens of uh, of the native peoples. Um, thank you so much for the gift of your time today, the gift of this conversation. Thank you for your obvious gentleness of spirit and your patience. I'm going to thank you for your patience, not only um, with me today, but um, with the experience that, uh, you know, frankly, I can't even imagine uh, as a uh, as a First Nations person in the United States of America. And so I recognize that. I acknowledge it. Thank you for the really good reminder uh, about land acknowledgement um, and territory acknowledgement, and to bring that into the conversations of the day. You have reminded us of some things. You have illuminated us about some things, and it has been a joy to share this conversation with you. Miigwech. That's thank mm. you for listening. Mm. That is Terry Wildman. You can find the First Nations version at InterVarsity uh, Press, which is ivpress.com. Terry, I hope you'll come back and tell us how it's going as you uh, as this translation makes its way out into the English-speaking First Nations world. All right, I'd be happy to do that. And if you want to learn more about the translation, you can look at uh, firstnationsversion.com. Excellent. Firstnationsversion.com. We'll be right back. All right, for those of you who texted in during that conversation, it was a recorded conversation, so I couldn't ask your direct questions um, because I didn't have them at the time when I recorded that conversation with Terry Wildman. Uh, I also did not have copies of 
the First Nations version of the Bible to give away, but I do now. And so if you heard that interview and you said to yourself, I'd love to have a copy of that, I have some First Nations friends or I live near a First Nations community and I'd love to be able to share the First Nations version of the Bible, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Maybe you're just one of those people who loves to read the Bible in lots of different translations um, or lots of different even paraphrases. This is a great opportunity to do that. Again, you just text the word book to 877-933-2484. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. You can catch the rebroadcast at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.